The world, the flesh, and the devil represent confrontation in three areas. Sociological, physiological, and supernatural. The Bible discusses all three of these opponents, and all three are real. Yet too many Christians lose more battles than they win, and endure their walk with God rather than enjoy it. If everyone could approach spiritual warfare biblically, like buying a pair of tube socks one size fits all, then this book would probably not be necessary. But as you already know, or will soon discover, a wish, a hope, and a prayer are not the best response to attacks from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Christians must be strategic in their responses to these three enemies, learning how to fight biblically and effectively rather than just sincerely. The book you have in your hands will thrill and encourage some, and anger or dismay others. It will no doubt go too far for some, and not nearly far enough for others. In one sense, I can't win on this one, knowing this material is going to offend someone. On the other hand, I can't lose in writing this because I go so out of a deep sense of obedience to God and an obligation to share what he's taught me about spiritual warfare over the last 25 years. Fear of criticism or rejection keeps many good books from being published and ideas from being shared. The truth is, I no longer care whether my colleagues agree or disagree with my conclusions on this subject. I've witnessed the joy of Christian brothers and sisters being set free from demonic bondage hundreds and hundreds of times. Typically, the most grateful people are those who know firsthand what it means to be freed from the mental paralysis, emotional hopelessness, and sometimes even physical pain associated with the torment of demonic bondage. And typically, those most upset seem to consistently reject the experience of deliverance as merely superficial or imaginary, while confidently asserting dogmatic opinions about spiritual warfare. Ironically, these opinions are usually based squarely upon their own speculations regarding a subject which with they have little or no first-hand knowledge or experience. This strikes me as curiously superficial, too. The real truth is that this is one subject that divides sincere Christian men and women across denominations. They might be equally committed to God and their neighbors as themselves, have received similar biblical education, studied the Bible, be able to work in the original language of both the Old and New Testament, and yet still agree on various points of spiritual warfare. There wouldn't be ambiguity among equally sincere and educated Christians if such a background could clearly resolve all the questions the topic raises in general and about demonic bondage specifically. But ambiguities do exist. And those ignoring this fact risk appearing to believe that their own opinions should somehow receive more credibility than those of equally sincere and credentially colleagues who don't share their views. Such theological enlists think smacks of pride, and it's annoying and contemptuous. Ultimately, regardless of where we stand on the subject of spiritual warfare, we need to agree with Romans 14 that we will all one day give an account to the Lord God Almighty, not to each other. Paul's abnomission doesn't mean, isn't meant as an excuse to quit reasoning together as we agree or agree to disagree. It should remind us that we are all finite servants of God who know only in part and will one day account to the Lord Jesus Christ for everything we say and think and do. Why write this book now? when I've declined several opportunities to do so in the past. The short answer is that the need is great, and it's past time for Christians to gain a growing understanding of the simplicities, subtleties, and complexities of spiritual warfare. 
I believe I've been given a message that needs to be heard, understood, and applied by Christians caught in the middle of spiritual attacks they don't comprehend, and by believers willing to reach out to those desperately in need of encouragement and help. I was recently forced to face my own mortality while meeting with several medical specialists who were running tests to see if I would be facing a battle with intestinal or stomach cancer. I'm grateful the tests and biopsies showed I don't have cancer. But the weeks of appointments and tests were a timely opportunity to evaluate more than 30 years of ministry. During that period, I was also able to ask and answer a vital question. What messages or lessons should I share more if I found out my race with life was going to finish sooner than later? Two ideas kept occurring to me. First, besides guiding, guarding, and loving my family— the most important assignment God has given me is to continue focusing on transferable discipleship training. So, I reviewed my commitment to two areas, to write, teach, and preach transferable discipleship lessons, and two, to continue training disciple makers who will repeat the same process with others by my design. Second, God gave me a deep sense of both urgency and peace that it's now time to formally and publicly release the materials on spiritual warfare. I'd already written much of this book, but purposefully chose to file it for nearly a decade. Like other Christians, I'm responsible for investing my time and talent while I can. The reality is that we're all in the process of dying physically, one day and one heartbeat at a time. Once in a while, though, some of us face this reality checked in an upfront, in-your-face urgent matter. I've responded by reaffirming my responsibility to model and promote transferable discipleship. I'm also committed to confronting the subject of spiritual warfare, regardless of what it may cost me, by way of personal reputation or criticism. For many years, I disagreed with the position I now believe true. This is primarily because of my own self-imposed ignorance, and partly because it was possible to faithfully serve God in ministry for many years without having to consider the subject of demonic warfare personally. A dear friend lying on my living room floor, contorted, eyes crossed, drooling saliva, and screaming that her name was something other than a real name, changed the luxury of ignoring this subject in a brief, gut-wrenching moment of time. I now believe that such ignorance represents a little more than fearful irresponsibility and pride. The time and opportunity to passively sit on the sidelines, content to speculate about the uncomfortable subject, is, like the dodo bird in T-Rex gone. You certainly may disagree with my conclusions. I pray, however, if you do, that your disagreement be civil and based upon your commitment to scripture rather than to theological or ideological positions championed regarding, regardless of scripture. My challenge regarding transferable discipleship training is that we know what we believe, that we know why we believe what we believe, and that we know how to clearly share what we believe with others. The subject of spiritual warfare is one more area where Christians are responsible to confidently accomplish this. I personally believe that demonic deception is increasing, even within the Christian church, and that the worst of this deception is still to come. If God allows demonic activity to increase until his return, I believe he will also train up and equip a growing number of his children to faithfully and effectively contend with the powers of darkness who oppose his plans and people. Too many North American churches are well on their way to becoming the same spiritual dead museums as Western European churches. It's time for Christian soldiers to stand up and contend for the face once delivered to the saints while we are still able, whether our opposition is natural or supernatural.
The alternative is to continue sitting quietly in comfort, hoping to blend into a society that's decaying at an increasing rate. We're commended to live in this world as Christ's ambassadors, shining as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverted world. You can appear politically correct at the expense of being biblically correct any way you please, but it still represents the compromised sin of disobedience. God bless you as you stand up to the challenge of learning how to biblically contend with the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are called by God to walk worthy of our calling in Christ and to live as spiritual victors rather than as spiritual victims. Pragmatically speaking, it's time for this positional truth to become a daily reality rather than just an occasional prayer we offer or song we sing.